real quick now, I'm going to put a plug for Sunday School. Don't miss Sunday School. We're going to be starting a brand new series of Sunday School. It's called Making a Difference. And I don't know about y'all, I like it practical. Y'all like practical preaching? I like it down where we can work on it, where we can understand it. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be nothing more practical. If you want to talk about making a difference, I mean relationships make a difference. Caring makes a difference. Spirit-filled life makes a difference. Generosity makes a difference. Faithfulness makes a difference. Teamwork makes a difference. A witness makes a difference. Encouragement makes a difference. Giving makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Missions make a difference. Co-laboring with Jesus Christ makes a difference. And commitment makes a difference. That's the 13 lessons. And I believe all of us could get a good heavy dose of that. Amen. I don't know about y'all, I want to make a difference. Y'all want to make a difference? I really do. I want to make a difference. You say, make a difference in what? People's lives. People's lives. Look, the only thing that's going to live forever is people. That's it. People live forever. It's the only thing that's going to live forever is people. So we better invest in people, amen? And uh, listen, I know I started this a few weeks ago, and by the way, it's probably going to go on for a couple more weeks when you go through the whole book of Proverbs, try to pull out little principles from each passage. Now, again, I want to make this clear that this information, not all of it's mine. And what I mean by that is I've done this out of, uh, really, out of honor and remembrance of uh, Pastor Sexton. Of course, I know many of you know we, we loved him. We appreciated him. He was our pastor for over five years. We went to college there. And this was his material. And of course, I've modified it anytime you have material and you have outlines, you always modify it and make it your own, and I've added some things to it, but I want you to know this is the basic principles working off of a book that he wrote many years ago. We happened to be there. He preached a sermon on what to look for in a life's mate. Then he changed it a little bit later, and he said, not only should it be what to look for in a life's mate, what should we expect from our spouses? And so I think this is a very... Um, encouraging all of these principles. Uh, there's quite a few of them. We're going to be in chapter 7 in Proverbs. As I opened this series up, I told you when you read the book of Proverbs, the table of contents is in the first chapter. If you're wanting to know wisdom, if you read this book of Proverbs, you're going to get wisdom, you're going to get instruction, you're going to understand perception, you're going to have understanding, you're going to get instruction, you're going to see justice, you're going to understand judgment and equity, and uh, you're going to understand discretion. This is the table of contents that God gives us in the book of Proverbs in the first couple of verses. So as we look through this book of Proverbs that is full of instruction, full of wisdom, I think it would be great places to look what should we expect out of a life's mate. Now, what should we expect out of our spouse, but what should they expect of us, biblically speaking? Now, I'm going to preach Sunday morning, Lord willing. If you remember, before we started Home Improvement, I started a series of messages on the Word of God, what God's Word likens the Word of God to. And if you remember, I've already preached a message, it was likened to do a sword. So if you're going to hear preaching... If you're going to read the Word of God, you're going to hear the teaching of God's Word, then expect to get pierced because it's a sword. Now, I preached that on uh, somewhere there in January. This Sunday morning, Lord willing, I'm going to preach the Word of God as light or a lamp. 
It's God's light and lamp that guides us. So I'm going to preach all the metaphors that the Word of God gives to the Word of God. And with that being said, I don't want to steal my thunder, steal the thunder from Sunday, but man, I have dove into some pastor scripture and I've been studying. And here's why I say all of this. Do you know what we mainly deal with in this life? The wisdom of men. We, we, we are perfectly okay with the wisdom of men, but boy, there's a difference between the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. And if we're really going to let God's word get lit in our hearts, we're going to have to sit at the feet of Jesus and we're, not going, we're going to not allow human wisdom. We're not going to allow human wisdom to deter us from getting this spiritual wisdom. And when we read the book of Proverbs, we're getting a lot of spiritual wisdom. Now, by the way, if you go out here and ask the average Joe around here in Tennessee, up north, out east, out west. If you talk to the normal person, you try to talk to them, hey man, what should I be looking for in a life's mate? Or what should I be as a husband? Or what should I be as a wife? If they're not saved, the best they can give you is human wisdom. That's the best they can give you. Now I'm not going to say that some of those things they say won't be good, but we got the best. So when we look for things that God, he, remember, he created us. He designed marriage. He designed the relationship. He designed the husband. He designed the wife. So if we're wanting to look and see, hey, what should my wife or my husband expect of me? We ought to find it in the Bible. So that's what we're doing. So we're in chapter 7, verse number 1. Here's the principle. The Bible says, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Here's the thought. Here it is now. It is obeying God's word. I think a spouse should obey God's word. I think if you're getting ready to marry somebody, they ought to be considering what God says. They ought to, they ought to take my son, keep my words, and lay up my commandments. In other words, they take God's word serious. They want to obey. They don't use it like a hammer. They don't use it like a beating post. I've heard some people, the only time... The only time I've heard some husbands ever quote the Bible is when they say, hey, hey preacher, don't that Bible tell me that wife's supposed to submit to me? Come on, that's about, that's some of some, it's funny, guys will come in my office and they'll say, hey preacher, don't that Bible say in there somewhere that this woman over here is supposed to submit to me? I say, well, the Bible does say that she submit to you. You're the leader, but you should submit to her in Christ. But here's your word. The Bible tells you you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I've learned this, man. If a man loves his wife like Christ loved the church, he tries to. I'm going to tell you what, I don't think she'd have any trouble submitting to him. I didn't get anything here, amen. Amen. But here it is. Obey God's word. What do you mean, pastor? My son, keep my words. Now, here it is. Sensitive. To the words of God. Now, I'm going to give you all a little test. I'm going to let you all in a little bit on me now. Just a little. I know you can't always do it, but... And I know y'all probably shouldn't because y'all need to be listening. But there are times I've, I've watched people how they receive preaching. I, I, I pay attention to how people receive instruction. I try to pay attention to young people, especially if they're here in our church, because I'm going to stow that away because 
Here after a while, I might have someone come to me and say, hey, pastor, what do you think about so-and-so getting married? And I might be kind and real subtle about it, but I'll say, well, I'm going to tell you, there's a few little things that bother me. Why? Because I'm going to tell you right now, they don't listen to preaching. They don't listen to instruction very good. Let me tell you this. I don't know if they're obeying the word because they done got so mad at somebody because somebody tried to tell them what to do that was right and they got mad at them. Now, we ought to be interested in obeying God's word. Now, it's one thing if I got up here and said, now I got an opinion for all of y'all. Well, then listen to me. Y'all have every right not to listen to my opinion. You can have your own opinion. You can do your own thing. By the way, I don't get up here and say, bless God, you're sinning tonight if you're driving a Ford. That's silly. But I don't preach like that. I'm not giving my opinion. Listen to me. When God's word says it, we ought to obey it. We ought to be interested in that thing. We ought to be sensitive, here it is, to the conviction of God's word. Now listen to me. I don't like it when God convicts me. Y'all like it? I really don't. But I'm glad I get it because, see, if I'm convicted, I know I'm saved. See, if I can listen to God's word and I can go out here and do all this stuff and I don't get convicted by it, I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm not one of his children. I'm going to tell you why. Because if I'm one of his and I'm doing wrong, he's going to spank me. He's going to let me have it. Why? Because he loves me. It's the same. Why do we discipline our children? Because we love them. They're ours. The Bible says if he doesn't spank us or if he doesn't correct us, then what? If he doesn't convict us, then we're not a legitimate child of his. So we understand we ought to be, I don't like conviction, but I'm going to tell you something. We ought to obey conviction. When the Holy Spirit of God gets on us, we ought to say yes to him. We ought to obey when the Spirit prompts. We ought to not only obey his conviction, but we ought to also be very sensitive to when he challenges us. When he challenges us in the word of God, we ought to be interested in that. My spouse ought to be interested in it. I ought to be interested in that. Why? Because this is what God says. We ought to be challenged. We ought to be sensitive to that. But then here's what else I love. Watch and see how people are comforted by the word of God. Here's what I mean by that. If they obey God's word, listen to me, they'll be comforted. Now, I'm going to be honest, you're not a help to anybody, I'm not a help to anybody if we can't ever be comforted and we're always down in the molly grub patch. We should be able to be comforted. I ought to be able to read God's word and get a promise that comforts me through the day. Because if I don't, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and I'm going to discourage my family. I ought to be able to be comforted Why? Because I want to obey God's word. If I'm obeying and listening to God's word, I'll be comforted by the Holy Spirit of God. I'll allow him to comfort me. So, obeying God's word. Number two, let's look at chapter 8. Look at verse 19. That's 7, 1, uh, 8. Now, remember, chapter 8 is wisdom. The whole chapter is about wisdom. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth, and then the whole chapter of Proverbs chapter 8 describes wisdom, like it was a person. So here's, here, here it is, in chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says this, 
My, uh, my, uh, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Now think about this. If a person has wisdom, Brother Don, he's more wealthy than a man that's wealthier with gold. He values wisdom. There's the point. You ought to be somebody that values wisdom more than you value your riches. You say, what do you mean? Well, think about it. Let's just say, let's say that uh, there's two young people and they're wanting to get married. They're looking for their date and their court and whatever. And that one person, he values money and that's all he values. All he talks about is money. All he wants is money. Well, guess what? Pretty soon, he ain't going to be talking about you. Because he's valuing money. But listen, if we're valuing wisdom, look at the verse. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. We recognize that. We value wisdom. It's, it's more fine than gold. It's better revenue than choice silver. In other words, look, son. He's saying, my son, attending to my words, he's saying, value wisdom. And if he could speak to his son, and no doubt he did, he's instructing him and saying, and if you're going to marry someone, marry somebody that values wisdom. Now, again, I've said, all of Christian life is a life of progress. You say, well, pastor, in my back of past part of my life, I've not valued wisdom that much. Okay, start now. It's not a condemnation going, oh, my goodness, I'll tell you right now, I'm the kind of spouse, I've never valued wisdom. Okay. I, I've not always valued wisdom. I thank God my wife still loved me. But I, I'm just giving some principles here that if we want to grow and we want to be the right kind of spouse, if we're gaining instruction and wisdom from God's word, here are some principles that we can hang a hat on. We can say, you know, this is something we ought to strive for as a spouse. My wife, my husband deserves a spouse that values wisdom. Why? Not just a philosophy. Not just opinions. What do we value? Wisdom. Now how do we get it? How do we get it? Does it just fall from the sky? Do we learn it at school? No. Here's what the Bible tells us in the book of James. If any of you lack wisdom, what? Let him ask of God. Who giveth. Aren't y'all glad he gives? That's he give and he, he gives liberally. So here's my question. Man, I've been preaching on this and preaching on this and hitting this and hitting this and hitting this. Every parent here, you ought to be praying for one thing every day, many times. God give me wisdom. God give me wisdom. Because I'm gonna tell y'all something right now. Your children are gonna bring things to your feet and to your life. And, and you're not going to have a whole lot of time to think about certain things. And where do we, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me here. I need your wisdom. Value wisdom. And I've also said this. We must be very careful just flippantly giving out advice to people. Before we just flippantly give advice out to people, I'm telling you, we should say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Now, I want y'all to pray for me and Miss Laura. We have a situation Friday. Now look at me. We need wisdom. So we're going to pray for wisdom. I've been praying for wisdom. And I'm asking you if you would pray for me and Laura to have wisdom. I think a lot rides on it. 
we ought to value wisdom. Then I want you to notice in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. Proverbs 9, 8. Proverbs 9, 8. Let's look at this one here. Here's what the Bible says. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Now, you know as well as I do, <laughs> nobody likes being reproved. Y'all, does anybody out here like being told what to do? Does anybody out there, including up here, like to be told we did something wrong? No, none of us. But do you know what happens? We do do things wrong. And we do make mistakes. I loved it the other day. Man, I thought it was so wise. We were listening to that marriage retreat online. And here this couple, they've been married over 50 years. All five of their boys are grown. This man pastored the same church for over 30 years. He's resigned now. And he's sitting there and they asked this man, what advice would you give us or how do you handle your relationship with your children now that they're all grown and out of the home? I loved what he said. The first thing he said, he said, well, I'm still their dad. I'm still their dad. And here's what he said. He said, and that means if I'm their dad, that means if there's something that I feel like I need to talk about my children about or need to talk to them about, he said, you know what, I'm going to talk to them about it. But here's the thing. He said, if they're getting ready to run to a wall or if I feel like they're maybe making a bad choice, he said, it's my obligation, my responsibility out of love, being their dad, I still say, hey, you might want to think about that. But here's what he said. But he said, I don't get upset if they don't listen. But he said, it's my obligation to tell them. Then the wife, they handed her the mic, and I love this. She said, well, she said, we've always tried to stay involved but not be intrusive. I thought that was wise, dealing with people that are your adult children that are married be wise, be involved, but not intrusive, and you're still their dad, and still try to help them, and if they don't listen to you, don't get mad at them. I thought that was wise. The reason I brought that up, though, is, because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care if I'm 49 or 14, uh, my father and mother and other people have had to come to me and say, hey, Mark, you might want to think about that, and because I think I've got all the answers many times, a lot of times, I don't like people giving me advice. That's not very wise. I ought to be ready to listen to counsel. I ought to be ready to listen to advice. And to be fair, if I'm a wise man, I'll take the reproof. But if I'm a wise man, I hate the person that's... If, if I'm a foolish man, I hate the person that said it to me. Now... I'm not trying to be ugly tonight, but could y'all imagine being a preacher, being a teacher, being a missionary? When you have to tell people things, could y'all just imagine how many times that there's a possibility that somebody has gotten mad at me? Let's just be honest. Would y'all have any guess on that? Let's just be honest. When you tell people and you share from your heart you feel like you got to reprove somebody or you got to tell someone, hey, this could have been done better or we need to work on this. I mean, talking about things like that. 
being in that kind of a business, could you imagine how easy that would be for someone to get? Have you ever heard someone say, I'll tell you right now, I don't like that preacher down there. Y'all are being too quiet tonight. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know why? Because I've learned this about this book. Yes, it comforts, and yes, I'm thankful that it comforts, but you know what? It does correct. And the Bible says that if we're wise, we'll take it. Now, I don't like it, but we'll take it. Because the Bible says that if we reprove a scorner, he'll hate you. But you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you for it. Thank you. Now, here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Do you know how hard it is to tell somebody you love that they could be doing wrong? If you've ever done that, why have you done it? Have you done it just to be a bully? Have you done it just to be mean? Why do you do that? You do it because you love them, right? Because there's a whole lot of other things that we'd like to talk about. There's a whole lot of other things that we wouldn't have to talk about. We could just kind of push by that thing. But see, here's what the Bible says. If you are a wise person and you're rebuked, you love the person that rebukes you. You know why? Because you have to know if they stuck their nose out to try to help you, knowing that you could get mad at them, they really love you. They really love you. So a wise man understands that. Can I help you with your children? The greatest thing that you can teach your children is that when you discipline them, that mommy and daddy's not just being mean. You're doing it because you love them and explain why you're doing it and show them why you're doing that because you love them. Explain it to them. For instance, a good little illustration. Don't you talk to strangers. Now, you do what I say, all right? That little girl, that little boy, they're wise if they listen to you. But do you know some people can do what you say and they don't know why? And that's wonderful because we should obey, right? We should obey our parents. But do you know it's even greater that if we sit down with our children and say, Hey, sweetie, listen to me. You should never get close to strangers or near their car because it could be dangerous for you. See, that's even more wise. Because you're explaining why. And do you know, you say, Pastor, why would you deal with something like that? Because it amazes me. We want people to do things, and I think sometimes it's more wise if we explain to them why. <laughs> why? Here's another principle under that same verse. We ought to accept reproof. They ought to be able to accept reproof. If we never accept reproof, by the way, I'll say this too. We should be able to accept reproof from especially our spouses because here's the thing we ought to know that our spouse has our best interest in mind now do you know something that I'm thankful for there is a time and a place that you reprove your spouse you don't do it in front of a bunch of people do it wisely do it behind closed doors do it quietly and by the way your husband will thank you for it I'm glad when my wife's had to do it but I'm glad she ain't done it in front of 30 people so, take reproof. Here's the other one. Same thing, though. Same principle. I've got two under here. You accept reproof. But here's the other reason. We ought to desire our best for the Lord. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. 
In other words, why? Because if I'm being rebuked, and especially if it's coming from my wife or someone that loves me, I can never imagine my mother or my wife coming to me and telling me something for any other reason than, Mark, look, you ought to do that for the Lord. You ought to do that for the Lord. That ought to be, the Lord ought to be the goal. You ought to do that because of your testimony. All of that's what? To be better for the Lord. We should desire our best for God. That's what I'm saying. We should have a characteristic that we should desire our best for God. You know what's killing America? You know what's killing our churches? Is we're like gotten to a place where we can just give God our leftovers. That's kind of how we've gotten. Oh, that's just the Lord. That's just God. That's just the church. That's just the house of God. That's just the church. That's no big deal. That ain't my house. Well, I'll read my Bible today if I make time for him, if I, if I can find time. See, no, this is a picture of someone that's desiring their best. They want to give their best to God, their best. Think about this. I know as a child, I always thought people that served God was older people. I did. I thought, man, you got to be old to serve the Lord. But I've learned something. We ought to give our best years to the Lord. Why we got them. Why we have the health. We ought to desire our best for God. Why? He deserves our best. How many of y'all believe he deserves our best? Y'all know why? I mean, he only went to the cross for you. I mean, he only suffered hell for you. He only suffered hell for me. Listen to me. He hung between heaven and hell on an, on an old rugged cross. Could have come down at any moment. Yet he stayed there that my sin and your sin could be paid for. His beard was plucked out of his face. His side was riven. Listen, his back was like a furrowed field. I believe that his inwards were hanging out. And he did all of that for us. And so it bugs me when I hear someone just flippantly talk about the Lord. He deserves our best. Deserves our best. He gave his best for us. I'm thankful for that. Now this might come over time. But we ought to desire our best for the Lord. Can I say this? Here's another one. I'm going to hurry. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Look at verse number 12. Just principle. Just simple stuff. Look at verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Here it is. Y'all ready? Here's the principle. Tenderhearted. Now is that, is, that, is that a bad word for a man? Is that not manly to be tenderhearted? I, I, I disagree with you. You say, well, no, that ain't manly. It is manly. It's very manly. I'm thankful my Jesus Christ was tender. And I'm going to tell you right now, he was a man. By the way, you read about David, he was a warrior. I don't know of anybody that could killed Goliath with a sling and I mean he was a man I mean a man but yet you read his psalms he was tender hearted again tender now a man might need help with this ladies here's where you come in you gotta help us and gentlemen let them there's times our children look at me now they need an iron rod they need it. They need it, boy. They need that iron rod. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes those children just need a tender, a tender heart. 
And I want you to know, we, we ought to be able to show tenderness to people. Be tender-hearted. Now, it shows it. Now, from time to time, ladies, sometimes with a man, that tenderness might be misplaced, you know. Look, I was brought up in West Virginia, so I've seen men be more tender to their coon dogs and their bird dogs than they were their wives. Somebody say amen. But at least if they can do it with the dog, trust me, you can teach him. It might be misplaced. Don't give up on him. Just keep trying. Because listen, everybody ought to be tender and especially tender to the Lord. Tenderhearted. Here's another word under that that amazed me today that's like going away. I don't hardly see it. It's just being considerate. Considerate. And tenderhearted. Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Tender, tender. Let's look at the next one, and I'm going to close. I'm going to skip one and come back to it. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 18. Chapter 11, verse 18. Notice what the wording here says. The wicked worketh a deceitful work. But to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Now... This really has to do with a worker work. In other words, he's, he's acquiring things by deceitfulness. If you notice there, the wicked worketh a deceitful work. So the labor of the wicked uh, has no blessing and it brings no permanent gain in contrast to what the last part of that verse says of righteous which will earn an enduring reward. Now, Let's put this down to being practical. Here it is. Just, we should not be deceitful. And if I was counseling with a young couple and they were getting ready to get married, it's or okay, well, are you transparent? And if the young lady or the young man says, well, I, I don't know if I'm completely transparent. Okay, well, if we're not being completely transparent, then you're, we're being deceitful. In other words, deceitful is not like just coming straight out and telling a lie. It's like I always say deceitfulness is like it's so slippery you can't nail it, you, you can't get a hold of it. You know what I'm talking about? Now that's an acquired skill to be able to do that. Now I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm, I'm trying to be completely just practical. You know the Bible says that if there's an offense between two people, what does the Bible say to do there, okay? You go to that brother, to that sister, okay? And so you go, and why do you do that? Because you want to you get that thing solved. But the Bible says if you can't get those things solved, then the Bible says what you have to do is take two or three witnesses to establish the word. So here's why he wants to make sure now there's no deceit being done. Because see, in the, in the presence of two or three witnesses, if someone's lying, they can't lie if, if somebody's there. So here's what I'm saying. 
Always watch out for people that won't put themselves in a meeting where the truth can come out. There's always slipperiness when someone's living deceit because here's the thing. They're not coming out and saying straight out lies, but if they know they put themselves in a situation where there's accountability, they still can live under the radar. Are y'all with me? I, I, I call them slippery. And the reason they're slippery, it's a designed trait. Because here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be honest with you. We ought to be transparent. Here, here's, here's the thing. Years ago, we was dealing with a lady, and her and her husband were having some trouble. And she called up, and she was talking to my wife, and she was giving all of these reasons of why this man couldn't go to church. But this lady was... You know, this was a desire that she had of her husband. I mean, she desired this, and she was asking him, and really, it was important for her. And it was every reason under the sun. And I said, at this point, so when I got to talk to her, I said, listen, I said, at this point, I said, I appreciate you trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I said, at this point, if he, because he kept telling her he loved her, and he would do anything for her, well, all she was asking to do was to go to church. Are y'all with me? A little deceitful if you're going to tell somebody you love them, you do anything for them, and then you can't even do something they ask. Here's what the Bible says. The wicked work are the deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteous shall be a sure reward. Here it is. You ever just sometimes... What people say and the way they do, it just don't line up and, you're, and you're, you're always confused. There's a there's a real acquired skill for that. I don't know if I'm making my point, but deceitfulness is not coming right out and telling lies. It's just living under the radar. It's not being transparent. Not being clear. And I'm going to just say this. Husbands and wives, you ought to be transparent. We ought to be clear. There ought to be safety there. There ought to be assurance there. There ought to be something there transparent. So these are just some little basic practical things. What we should be as a spouse, and I, I, don't, I believe every one of them would help all of us if we'd ask God to help us. I'm going to be honest as I pray tonight. I said, Lord, would you help me to be more tenderhearted? I asked the Lord to help me to value wisdom. I prayed for wisdom, but I don't want to just do it tonight. I want to wake up tomorrow morning and I say, my goodness, everything that I've got to look at and see and deal with, I, Lord, I need wisdom. I don't have all the answers. I think these are things we can put in our life. Hey, listen, I, I, I don't want to be deceitful. Have I been? Yes, I've been deceitful in my life. I won't be deceitful. I want to value wisdom. Hey, I want to desire and that's why I struggle. I know I'm an old, I know I'm an old, I know I'm an old fuddy-duddy this day and age. I just still believe we ought to give our best to God. I feel like we live in a world now where everybody's trying to do their least amount possible for the Lord and they're okay with it. I'm just not good with it. And I say, Lord, help me. Give you my best. Give you my best. Do I fail? Sure, but I want to give him my best. You know why? I think he deserves it. How many of y'all believe he deserves our best? I do. 
And so these are things, practical things, we can ask God to help us. And they're all just right here in these passages of Scripture. I pray God will help us. I want God to obey. I want to obey His Word. I want to get convicted. I want to know, you know, I, I, want, to, I want to know in chapter 7 there. I want to, my son, keep my words. I want to keep his words. You know why? Because I get in a lot of trouble when I don't keep his words. We all do, don't we? And so let's strive for these things. Put them in our life. And look, you write these down. You look for them. You know, you're going to have a spouse. You're going to have a, a boy or a girl, and they're going to be looking for a light. You know, they're going to be dating somebody. How can you help them? These are some of the things you can help them with. When it's time. Of course, you're not going to sit down with a five-year-old. But when it's time, they'll be able to understand it. And I think we need to do more of this with our children. Let's stand our feet, and we'll be dismissed. I'm glad with God there can always be improvements. Don't you think that way? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Oh, loving he must be. He's still working on me. He's still working on me to remember them songs too. I'm glad I have a God that don't give up on me. And listen, he don't give up on you either. Now, honey, the preach has preached long enough. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. Take your word. Lord, these are simple, practical principles. Help us. Help us, please. Lord, we've all failed you in these areas. We all have. But Lord, I pray you'll help us now. Thank you for continuing to work on us. Thank you for continuing to speak to us and strengthen us. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to catch fire here now and just take your word and apply it to our lives and help us to love you. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to make a difference in this world. And we'll thank you for what you do. Give us all safety as we travel home tonight. Bring us back the next appointed time. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And all God's people say it. That's the word we was looking for. God bless. Have a great night.